Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined, as usual, by Ari Wasserman. Ari, today we've got a very, very special guest, a first-time guest to Stars Matter. Jesse Temple covers the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Ari, why don't you tell everyone why we've never had Jesse on before? Do you know why? I've done a million podcasts with Jesse, but I think it's because they weren't recruiting at an interesting enough level to talk about it. There you go. There you go. Jesse now covers a team. Uh, as as Je- we'll we'll introduce Jesse in a second. But as he just described, always good, never great program that never seemed overly interested in recruiting at a high level or doing like you know being overly aggressive in recruiting. They bring in Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, great hire. Jesse, first of all, welcome to Stars Matter. Second of all, tell us how much your job has changed in the past. Two months. Jesse, I got to say, that was kind of a rough first minute for Wisconsin fans. So you, yeah. you got to. <laughs> well, I'm going to set Mitch straight. Let <laughs> <laughs> me tilt my head a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be joining you, fine folks, on the Stars Matter podcast. Um, it's been Luke Fickle coming has been a godsend from a coverage standpoint. I've been covering the Badgers since 2011, and they've had some tremendous seasons. The last three seasons were, shall we say, less than stellar, particularly from an offensive standpoint. And I think the fans were ready for something different. The fact it happened when it did was shocking that Paul Chris got fired October 2nd, midway through the season. And then Jim Leonard, the prodigal son, was the interim coach and didn't end up getting the job. But if you're not going to give it to him, you don't give it to him because you go out and get the best coaching hire of the cycle in Luke Fickle. Um, And clearly what they've done the last two months has generated a level of excitement that I have not seen before. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment or speak in hyperbole, but for an off season, I've never seen it like this because of the, the types of players they're getting. Obviously, the transfer portal adds fuel to this, which didn't exist several years ago in the way that it does now. But from a recruiting standpoint, I will say that the previous staff had a really good run. There was a stretch where they did at least in 2019, 2020, and 2021. They had the three best recruiting classes in the online ranking era in program history. Three years in a row, they got up to number 16 in 2021. Now, obviously, it didn't necessarily pan out on the field, but there was a stretch where, and I think part of why Paul Christ is no longer the coach, it starts with not having the results you want on the field, but they didn't fill their recruiting department for eight months. Their director of recruiting left for Michigan State. Uh, they made some internal moves to kind of fill gaps, and Paul had his reasons for wanting to do that. He, he felt like they were in a, a good spot in the previous class, he didn't want to rush something and he wanted to make the right move. But I think in doing that pretty clearly, it, it put Wisconsin at a disadvantage. That's not how Luke Fickle operates. <laughs> and I will say Paul eventually filled his staff. He had an eight person staff. He had a director of recruiting. But I think the optics weren't great. Luke brought two of his top recruiting guys over with him from Cincinnati immediately. Those were his, his two big things when he started was recruiting and the strength program. And that's why he immediately brought his guys from Cincinnati. And they've had a great run. I know we'll get into it, but that's the short version to create so much excitement. Now, um, there's so many different ways we can go here, but Ari and I always talk about, and Ari writes, and it was in his mailbag that was published uh, Wednesday morning, um, certain programs, like Ohio State recently, obviously they've recruited great. This recruiting class this year, you look at it on paper, it's what, Ari, number five, it's got a good have, uh, average player rating, but like three of the top guys are wide receivers, and like that's a position that's really not of need in Ohio State. Would you say, and I've looked at some of the numbers, Wisconsin, that while they did recruit well and probably better than some people thought with that class in the the, the teens, that a lot of their recruiting was just based in kind of one position, offensive line, while that's very, very important, that's the program's identity, that their good recruiting wasn't necessarily spread out enough to create a roster that could win the Big Ten. Is that that fair? I think that's a very good way to put it, Mitch. Um, If you look at the success that Wisconsin has traditionally had, it has obviously started in the state. And what does this state produce? Big dudes. 
That's what Barry Alvarez saw 30 plus years ago. Their 2020 class was led by two four-star in-state offensive linemen. Their 2021 class was a little different. They had a four-star offensive lineman, but they also had a four-star safety in Hunter Wohler and a four-star athlete in Braylon Allen who turned into a running back. He reclassified from 2022. But quarterback, wide receiver, those are positions that you haven't necessarily seen Wisconsin upgrade in a way that matches what you've seen other programs. Wisconsin did land Graham Mertz in that 2019 class. He was the highest-rated prep quarterback Wisconsin had ever signed in the internet ranking era, and I wrote as much about that as I possibly could. People couldn't get enough. And and now he's been a three-year starter and transferred out of the program at Florida. And it's funny with this whole idea of stars matter. And I know that's Ari's mantra. And, and that is true. And obviously, watch, watch as, your next, as we've watch seen, your next words, as we've seen, it just, it doesn't. Jess, if you it, want to be a two-time member, a two-time guest yeah, yeah. on the show, you got to watch no, it. It doesn't guarantee anything as we've sure. seen. And and so I, I think Graham was in a position where the expectations were so high. He's going to be the person to lead this program to the college football playoff. And it, it never happened. He had a good career. It just never was going to match what Wisconsin needed. But bringing it back to the Luke Fickle era, it's not so much about the high school recruiting that they did in 2023, which they deserve a lot of credit for. Wisconsin's class was down to eight players because of decommitments they had 60 commitments with all this coaching transition he got it up to a 15 player class and he added two players who previously decommitted from the program you almost never see that you almost never see especially at a place like wisconsin kids decommit from the school and end up coming back and he added some very quality depth in the defensive backfield but it's the transfer portal and i think that's why you guys are having me on at least that's my assumption because they have a top 15 transfer portal class and to your point, Mitch, they added three former four-star quarterbacks that are transfers, <laughs> which we've never seen before like that, and two wide receivers who have a chance to be instant difference makers. Bryson Green, who was a wide receiver at Oklahoma State, was the team's second leading receiver. C.J. Williams, who was a four-star high school recruit out of Matter Day in California, went to USC, transferred, hasn't had a ton of opportunities at the college level, but might have as much upside as any wide receiver Wisconsin's had. So they have... 13 or 14 transfers that they've brought in, but those are the five that have generated so much excitement. I should probably mention by now, since we're about seven minutes into the show, the name Tanner Mordecai. You're going to hear him an awful lot. You're going to see him an awful lot. He's going to be Wisconsin's starting quarterback. was a, a two-year starter at SMU through 7,152 yards and 72 touchdowns. Like He's the best quarterback Wisconsin's had since Russell Wilson, and he hasn't taken a snap. Uh, can I do a few rapid fire questions? Yeah, Ari, before, sorry for the interruption, because I know you got questions. I do want to say, while this is going to be a heavy, heavy on the Wisconsin Badgers, it's not a 100% Wisconsin Badgers show. We will go over some of the com big commitments. There's actually some notable 2024 commitments. We'll have a trivia question for Jesse. I hope you're, well, I hope you're not prepared because then you would, you might guess what I was going to ask. And then we might hit some mailbag questions. So go ahead, Ari. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, never one school completely but just wrap it around jesse what would you do if graham mertz was a heisman finalist of florida this year <laughs> um, right, but based would, on that sounds like he's not very confident in that happening Ari. oh no i would i would applaud him i mean from my perspective um he always showed up to answer really difficult questions there was a stretch here where that was not necessarily the case with some of the other team leaders who just didn't feel like they were mentally i think ready to handle it during a really difficult season he always took accountability and responsibility. It's just that the results weren't what people wanted. I think he's going to have an opportunity to have some very good success at Florida. I think they run more of a pistol type offense, and and I think that's something that he could do well in. And the the what if that Badgers fans may not care about anymore is what would Graham Mertz have done in a Phil Longo coached offense? Um, that's right. another part. That's another part of this equation that I should mention. So Luke Fickle hired Phil Longo, who was the offensive coordinator at North Carolina. For the last four years, was previously at Ole Miss, was at Sam Houston when um, Jeremiah Briscoe broke the FCS record, 57 touchdowns in a single season. He's had success everywhere running an air raid offense. Um, and that's another massive component of this conversation and why people are so excited. Phil Longo is bringing an offense Wisconsin has never run before. They're still going to emphasize running the ball. But now because they've upgraded wide receiver and quarterback, they're going to try to get the ball to the playmakers and pass the ball a whole heck of a lot more. I think Graham actually would have had more success in this offense as opposed to the pro style system they had at Wisconsin. But Heisman finalist um, feels like a bit of a leap to me. I'll say. That. You, and I was just kidding about that, but you know, you never <laughs> know um, the 
thing I remember distinctly, and I think it might have been two years ago or even three years ago now, where I was watching a Wisconsin football game and it was just like they couldn't run the ball very well and they had no answers when that happened. And I tweeted something about like, you know, when can Wisconsin update its identity and bring its its team into the 21st or 20 whatever century we're in now? And people went bonkers. They're like, the reason why Wisconsin's been the most consistent program uh, in the Big Ten West and one of the most consistent programs in college football is that they know what they are and they're never going to stray from it. And I always thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic of like, okay, well, I could buy that. Like, if they know the types of players they want to bring into their program and the system that they want to run that can get them to 10 games consistently without – you know, ever having an opportunity to break through that ceiling, but just be who they are, which is consistently good. Okay, fine. But like when I see Luke Fickle come in and I see Phil Longo come in as the offensive coordinator, I feel like, isn't this an enhancement to who that is this an enhancement to who they are or is it a departure from what they were? I look at it. I look at it more as an enhancement. Um, and I look at it like it's exactly what this program needed to infuse some energy and potentially get Wisconsin to that next level. Now the Badgers have been on the outside looking in of the playoff when in the BCS era, they were never make, able to make it to the championship game. And it's kind of funny because now that college football is expanding to a 12 team playoff, I think Wisconsin is kind of perfectly positioned to be one of those teams that can jump into that category because I think that the Badgers would have made a 12 team playoff had it existed in the BCS era on like eight different years. So that's how close they've been in terms of being a good program, but never elite or great. And I think these changes are much needed because it's not like they're going to stray from being physical up front and running the ball. And that was honestly the first thing Phil Longo said. We had an opportunity to talk to Phil Longo and Mike Tressel, who are the new offensive and defensive coordinators for Wisconsin uh, last month. Longo wants to make it clear he's going to still run the ball. I think people were... Fans were freaking out when they heard the word air raid and they thought, oh, my God, it's going to be a drastic departure. And and in some sense, it is because we haven't seen that style of offensive system. But they have Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, a tremendous one 2 running back tandem. They've still got as much talent on the offensive line as as a lot of programs around. And that's going to be a staple. It's just that the ratio needs to change. You can't just run the ball for three yards on first and second down and then you're in third third and medium or you know, third and long or something. And, and it's an, uh, it's obvious what you're going to do. That was a big part of the problem with Wisconsin. And you can even look at last year, no team faced more stacked boxes, eight or nine guys in the box as much as Wisconsin, other than the three service academies. Well, they run the triple option. So that tells you that defenses knew what was coming and they were able to stop it. So I do think it's more of an enhancement, even though it is a slight departure. Fickle understands what has worked well at Wisconsin. It's just making the areas they struggled in better. I hope Wisconsin sense. goes five wide on their first five offensive plays. Just I to, think well, that would be <laughs> very exciting. And, and Jesse, you, you might have done the research, and 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 I mean, I remember you know watching Long go back to his Ole Miss days and stuff. And a good coordinator plays to his strengths, and he had one of the best college quarterbacks. I've told Ari this on the show. I saw North Carolina in person last year, and in, in Drake May is literally one of the best college quarterbacks I've seen in person. And I've seen a lot of SEC quarterbacks over the years. And so he's going to play to his strengths. And he's so I'd be interested to see what he does this year. But they're going to run the ball, no doubt. I'm glad that you said that because that's another thing that Longo made clear. And you can just look at what he's done everywhere he's been over the years. Um, So when he was at Sam Houston, he had a quarterback before Jeremiah Briscoe who was mobile. And they had a lot of rushing yards. Well, Briscoe wasn't that type of quarterback, but they still were able to have a ton of total offense. It just happened in a different way. Again, he threw 57 touchdown passes. When Longo was in North Carolina in 2020, he had two very talented running backs. They each ran for a thousand yards this past season. And he talked about this. They didn't have the veterans. It was a lot of young guys in the running back room, but he had three really good tight ends. So he threw the ball to the tight ends as much as anyone in the country. I do think one change, and this may hurt some people in the state of Wisconsin or have been Badgers fans, I don't think we're going to see the fullback anymore. (laughs) With a fullback dive may be gone because you're going to take that out and you're going to put an extra receiver in there. Um, If you can just look at the the personnel that he's used at North Carolina, I think he used 11 personnel like 86% of the time at North Carolina last season, which is the third most in the country. Um, So it's just they're going to do things in a little bit different way, but it has a chance to 
put Wisconsin in a, in a different place in the college football world, frankly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jesse, we've been, we've shared a lot of press boxes in, the, in our day, you know? Just good times, best friends, being dudes. Are you trying you know? to make me feel bad? It's early in the morning. <laughs> I, well, thought like, Landis, I thought Landis was your best friend. Particularly a few times in Indianapolis, you know? Uh, and I think... I remember was I thought Wisconsin was going to win one of those. You know, I, I don't remember what year that was. Twenty well, twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, but twenty nineteen, I think they had a two touchdown lead at halftime, and then crumbled. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the one thing that you and I used to talk about at halftimes of those games was, you know, Ohio State's depth for one thing, but also that Wisconsin at the skill position players wear down because they don't have the top end talent. Um, at those positions that Ohio State's had, even though they had lines that were good enough to to bang in there and, you know, in the first half of games really, you know, punch them in the mouth. Do you think Luke Fickle's arrival makes Wisconsin a more legitimate place for top-end skill players? And, like, is that the biggest difference between Wisconsin and the teams that were making the playoff, in your opinion? I think him bringing Phil Longo in makes it a more attractive destination for top-end skill players Um you're talking about offensively. Yeah. They want to score points. They want to catch the ball. And I've talked to multiple recruits about this. They just got a an in-state tight end. His name's Rob Booker the second. He's, you know, 15, 20 miles away in a town called Wanakee. And he visited campus three times last year for games. And he may have ended up at Wisconsin anyway, but he specifically talked about how in this new offense, when he was given a presentation at a junior day visit a few weeks ago, it's so much more attractive to players. You want to catch passes if you're a tight end. You you don't always want to necessarily block. And if you're a wide receiver, you want to get the ball. They haven't had kind of that top end wide receiver. And you can see it against the best teams in the country with the four and the five star defensive backs and the quarterback position as well. I mean, I've mentioned Tanner Mordecai, but the other two former four star players are Nick Evers, who's an Oklahoma transfer and and Braden Locke, who's a Mississippi State transfer. Those guys have the chance to be the future of the program because Mordecai is a sixth year senior. So Absolutely. I think the offense is is a big part of it. And you're right, Ari, when they've played Ohio State, I've said this all the time, over the course of a 60-minute game, the best players emerge and the depth of those positions emerge. When I've said before, when Wisconsin has an injury at a key position like defensive back, the reserve might be a former walk-on or something like that. You can see yeah. the difference in Ohio State's speed. That's another area that I think Fickle has tried to upgrade immediately. And I'm not saying the results are going to materialize in year one. They might. But he got six defensive backs in his recruiting class, and I think he's starting to get the types of guys that Wisconsin hasn't. And the perfect example here is a guy named Amari Snowden. So he was previously committed to Cincinnati. He got Fickle got three guys, defensive backs, who were previously committed to Cincinnati to come with him to Wisconsin. But Snowden is 6'3", a corner who's 6'3". Wisconsin doesn't have that. They don't get those kinds of guys. You can look at their roster. There's not a corner on the roster that's taller than six feet tall. Snowden's an athlete. He was a... a through three no-hitters as a left-handed pitcher in high school. Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball program, hadn't had a varsity baseball program in 30 years, so it says a lot about the fact that he's coming here because he wanted to play two sports. Those are the kinds of guys on the back end that I think can help make a difference because that's part of the problem, too, that we've seen over the years where Ohio State just hits a big play over the top because they've got speed and athleticism in a way that Wisconsin doesn't in terms of the physicality to match it. What about geography, Mitch? Sorry, I I know that you haven't asked a question in a minute, but I'll just just – Go do some work. I'll come back in about 20 minutes. Sorry, just All right. text me when you're done. See ya. Okay, go ahead. Ari. Are you going to get up? No. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear what Jesse has to say. But no, actually, uh, I was going to talk about geography. But okay, go ahead. go ahead. Then you ask the question, Mitch. Okay, well, I'm going to tie, in, I'm gonna tie it into in-state recruiting because, um, you know, I, I'm sure you know this, Jesse, but I looked this up there. You know, three blue chippers in the state in 2024. In 23, there were zero. 22, there were five. 21, there were three. 20, there were two, but in 18 and 19, there were zero. So clearly they cannot rely on in-state talent. Um, so we're clearly it's also a, it's a, it's a staff with some big Midwestern ties, Cincinnati, all that. 
Do you look at them being a national recruiting team or you think they're going to stick to the Midwest? So there's a lot to this question. I actually just wrote about this this week uh, in terms of Fickle's plan for the in-state portion of it. And he's addressed the entire recruiting philosophy. But from an in-state perspective, it's unique this year. And he addressed this as well. His entire coaching staff, his 10-person coaching staff is coming in here with zero ties to the state of Wisconsin and the Badgers program. We've seen for years and years that that has not been the case at Wisconsin. Last year, Paul Christ, former Badgers player. Jim Leonard, former Badgers player. A couple other staffers uh, had also played at Wisconsin. And so they had this deep, intrinsic knowledge of the state. Fickle talked about that's something that he knows he has to overcome, he and his staff. But they're already hitting the in-state guys really hard. They're, they're visiting schools. They're developing those relationships. I think they're going to have as much success with the in-state as the previous staff did because it's just it's an attractive program. It's the only FBS program in the state. Um, and to your point, it is very cyclical in the state of Wisconsin. Fickle at Cincinnati before relied heavily on guys from Ohio. Well, Ohio has 100-plus Division One players every year. Wisconsin... A good year may be 15, 10 or 15 guys, and they, they're not all necessarily guys who are going to get Wisconsin offers. In the last recruiting class in 2023, Wisconsin had one in-state offer. That's ridiculous. Now, that guy was the number one player. He's a running back named Nate White, and he committed to Wisconsin. But in 2024, they've got offers out to, to six uncommitted players and already have a commit. But you're right. You can't just build it on in-state guys. What he has said is, the and he uses this term, the core and the crux of our program will be built around a... 300, 350 mile radius is what he has said. And that's what he did at Cincinnati. It's just going to be a little different math here. In-state at Wisconsin and the Chicago area are his two biggest areas. And you've seen what they've they've done in terms of going into Chicago and the Chicago land area to try and recruit. But Minneapolis is also a part of that. And I think that there's some surrounding areas that are going to be vital too. So Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio stretches a little bit beyond that in some places. But because of his ties to the state, I think he's going to have a ton of success there, but that is where it starts. And then I think you go and get guys outside of that region that you believe are good fits. There's, I think, going to be some a mirror of what they did under the previous staff where you're not going to get every four or five star guy. You're not going to get in the mix when Ohio State and USC and all these other programs, Alabama, Georgia are in it. But if you can develop relationships early and sell your program well, you'll have an opportunity to pluck a handful of guys that stretch beyond that radius. But again, the core and the crux, 300 to 350 miles. And I think there's enough talent there to start with. It's just not all in the state of Wisconsin. Illinois, for them, has to be huge. I'm Ari, really, I, I, I'm I really curious how he's going to do Ohio. Yeah, and, and obviously the competition there is fierce, as we yeah. know. You start with Ohio State. But he's um, like the godfather of Ohio recruiting. Yeah, I think he's going to have a lot of success, to be honest. And again, some of the guys that he pulled were already obviously committed to him at Cincinnati, but they're Ohio natives. He's got good relationships with coaches there, and that's where it starts because the coaches are willing to talk to the players and recommend a program and just get a foot in the door. And I think when players see what Wisconsin is about and the changes that they're making, it's a much more attractive place. Ari, I wanted to ask you a question as our recruiting uh, quote-unquote expert, and uh, Ari's fired up. He's getting a question. So something, you know, I, I think a lot of programs, a lot of fans, they love when coaches are hired. He's got ties or, you know, he knows the area. I think that's overrated. Like it, that's a bonus, but I would never not hire a coach because he doesn't have ties. I think Luke mm-hmm. Fickle and his staff, they're smart enough. They know to go visit the high schools and all that. And Ari loves when I talk about Vanderbilt, but James Franklin was hired. I don't think anyone on his staff had coached in Tennessee, no, no really SEC ties. And that's the best Vanderbilt's done in 30 years recruiting the state of Tennessee because they knew what they were doing and they made the relationship. So I think that's all overrated. Ari, yeah, I, I agree with that uh, to a certain extent because like Luke Fickle is a big enough brand now. I mean, like when you think about the brand itself of what Wisconsin got, of all the big time hires of the last two years, like last year's uh, coaching carousel was crazy. He's the only one that's won a, uh, that's made the playoff, right? Outside of Lincoln Riley. Oh, I guess Brian Kelly made it too. But um, – you know, he was the first coach that ever took a group of five team to one. You know, like this is a successful, proven coach who, you know, I, I think no matter who the coach is at Wisconsin, it doesn't have to be a Wisconsin alum is going to have a good time, you know, with in-state players. Now, it's about whether or not that coach has the uh, wherewithal and the drive to take Wisconsin into other areas of the country. So, like, for me, though, the relationships thing is great. But, like, the thing that Luke Fickle did, at least when I covered him at Ohio State, that was so good was he would find a three-star quarterback and turn him into a first-round pick at linebacker. Like, he has a he has a eye 
for talent in relationships with coaches in Ohio that he trusts, where if he says this guy is going to be a player, he might be undersized and he might not be good enough, you know, in high school to go to Ohio State, but he understands that if they develop, I mean, like, go look at Kobe Bryant. That that kid's older brother played, uh, Christian Bryant played at Ohio State. He was never going to get an offer to Ohio State because he wasn't big enough, and then he turns out to be one of the best DBs in college football. And I think that there is a certain developmental aspect to those relationships that you could, that it's not just, I know your coach, so I'm going to get a really good player. It's, I have a good enough relationship with the coach to get the inside scoop of somebody who isn't going to bullshit me about whether or not somebody has the upside that I think that they do and get there early enough to get them. So, you know, I, the, I think that Wisconsin has, you know, four or five different avenues that it can take to get players, all of which they could be very successful at. And, you know, I, I like the 350 mile radius. I like to see them get up into Winnipeg uh, and see <laughs> if they can find anybody up there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I am really high on this hire. And I've always thought that, you know, the idea of a program ceiling was always so, you know, short-sighted. I always thought that teams that, you know, people think had a perceived ceiling could hire the right guy and get them through that ceiling. And as Jesse pointed out earlier on the show, you know, I think Wisconsin and Penn State might have been the two biggest beneficiaries of this expanded playoff. And as Wisconsin has a coach that has already made the four-team field that understands how to build a winning pro product and, frankly, has spent – 10 years or more at an Ohio state program that has competed at the highest level knows exactly what it takes to win those games. Like I think Wisconsin could really build something here. And of all the, the coaching hires that I think uh, we've seen the last few years and, and maybe say for a few big time hires like USC and Lincoln Riley might've been the most impressive one that we've seen. And I'm like really high on them right now. And I think that it's kind of juiced up Jesse, right? Like you're, you're ready to cover those badgers, baby, you know, cause I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> I've never been more excited to cover spring practice and it's February. So that'll, that'll tell you a lot, but it's also that the, the fans are excited and the readers are excited. And so that's invigorating from the beat writers perspective, but it's interesting that you brought up Kobe Bryant because I, I wrote about this a couple months ago after fickle was hired. I talked to Ted Ginn senior, who's a legendary coach yeah. at, at Glenville high school in Cleveland. He's been there since 1976 and he was Kobe Bryant's coach. And he was telling me um, about the Bryant was a lightly recruited kid. And because Fickle had this goes back to the relationships part, but it also goes back to a trust factor and an ability to identify talent that maybe other people don't see that Ginn Sr. was telling Fickle and, and Marcus Freeman. This was back when Marcus mm -hmm. Freeman was there that um, like if you can keep him from being overconfident in his athletic ability and make him more fundamentally sound, he's got a chance to be an unbelievable player. And Fickle saw those traits. They brought him in and he becomes the Jim Thorpe Award winner for the nation's best defensive back. So, yeah, it goes back to relationships, but it's also about identifying talent and, and being willing to take a chance on guys. And I think that says a lot that you get a kid that a lot of people didn't really want it and he becomes the best defensive back in the country. But he's an incredible recruiter. Um, I talked to Jim Trestle about this, too, that when he was when Fickle was at Ohio State, because Trestle was the one who gave him a chance, obviously, 20 plus years ago at Ohio State. He said Fickle would go into areas that they hadn't traditionally had recruiting success or had no ties to, and he would get the best players. And I think that says an awful lot as well. There's certain traits that I think are going to carry over and make him tremendously successful. It's this staff already has shown they are relentless in their recruiting ability. That's something that I think Wisconsin needed to help elevate the program, but it's Fickle's, and you know this, Ari, his competitive desire. Like I asked him a question, and this is when I learned very early on about who Luke Fickle is. I asked him a question in one of his first press conferences with us, the Wisconsin reporters. Um, they were going to play in the guaranteed rate bowl against Oklahoma State. bunch of guys weren't going to play in it. Wisconsin's three team captains who had led the program all season for two, three, four-year starters, all gone. Two declared for the draft. Graham Mertz transferred. And I said, do you have any concerns about fielding a, a competitive team knowing how many players on your roster aren't here, including the three captains? I could just see like the look in his eyes and the way that his facial expressions changed when he answered the question about like it would be a com totally disrespectful to think that we would come in here and not field a competitive team and to say that the guys who are on the roster right now can't play good football. They went out and they won the freaking game. Um, and I, I so I think those are some traits that are really going to help Wisconsin. Um, and it obviously starts with Fickle. Jesse, well, well, Ari, while we've got him here, I want to just bounce around the Big Ten a little bit too because Big Ten West, you know, we might 
be getting rid of division soon and all that. But you look, it's like some teams are trending up, some are down. Like I'd say Purdue, Ryan Walters might be a great coach, but you know, Jeff Brom, highly respected. You know, Illinois trending up as a program, but they haven't really, you know, Ari, do you agree? Like they're not like recruiting at this crazy level. So I guess my question is Nebraska with Matt Rules recruiting, going to recruit pretty well. How do you see Wisconsin and Fickle from a recruiting standpoint fitting in in the West? Do you think they can sign consistently the best classes in the West or the, well, among the teams in the West right now? Right. Because there's not going to be right. the divisions as we know it in 2024 when USC and UCLA come in. That's going to make it pretty interesting. But yes, I I absolutely think so. They're never going to be Ohio State. They're not going to have top five, at least. I don't want to put a ceiling on Wisconsin, but we've seen what Ohio State's done consistently for decades. Um, but as far as the teams that are in the West right now, I absolutely think Wisconsin should be leaders of the pack in that area. Um, and, and Nebraska certainly would be in that mix as well. Nebraska is another program where they've got to be a national brand and go out and get guys well beyond the, the in-state borders. But this staff knows the importance of recruiting and roster management and building. Um, and I also think that the transfer portal is going to be huge. But certainly this program, and when I think of what the recruiting ceiling could be for Wisconsin, so they've had one top 25 class ever in the online ranking era. It was that 2021 class that I had mentioned before. They finished 16th. The 2020 was number 26. The one with Graham Mertz in 2019 was number 29. I don't see any reason why Wisconsin can't be a, a top 30 or top 25 recruiting program because of how good these guys are and how relentless they are. There's, there's I think so it's going to be examples. top 15, Jesse. That's a pos- I mean, that's a possibility, too. Like, I'm just giving a starting point because it's something we haven't consistently seen at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. If you get into the top 25 and obviously the teams generally appear or have appeared in the 14 college football playoff, they're recruiting at a level that's even even higher than that. But if the idea is, okay, Wisconsin has done more with less for so long and they've been maybe the best team that hasn't broken through, what happens when you start to get better players and you've got a more attractive offense? Like, Wisconsin is right on the cusp. And with the the hires that they've made, I think this is a program that has an opportunity to break through. And I'm not saying that means they're going to win a national title, but you can start with getting into the college football playoff to give yourself a chance, which is something that has eluded this program. Now, Ari knows this. We're working on a project, Jesse, kind of our recruiting staff here where we are ranking the programs from a recruiting standpoint, recruiting potential, and we're factoring in who the head coach is and what the programs have going for them. And and Ari, I want my Wisconsin vote back. We're not done with this so yet. Do I. We, yeah, we no, haven't I tallied all these votes. I, I'm looking at the spreadsheet now, and I, I, I have Wisconsin the lowest among uh, the, the people that have voted so far. So um, What is it? I'm not saying. Oh, you don't want to give the milk away for free? Or are <laughs> no, you embarrassed? We're, we're, no, I'm embar- no, I'm embarrassed. I've got Wisconsin 33 right now. Ari has them. Ari, do you remember where you had them? I don't, no. You had them 23. I will say this was a fun task. Huh? It is Jesse? one of the more Top difficult. It be more one of the difficult tasks. Now, I guess in... You know, there's there's 69 teams now with the four new Big 12 teams, and everyone who's done this probably has regrets on these votes. Like, I, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because Wisconsin has recruited over the past five years. The recruiting average, Jesse, is probably what in the mid twenties because of that 16 class. So they hire a great recruiting coach and I vote, I vote them lower than what they've been. So that probably wasn't very smart on my, I think end. you were too beholden on previous rankings and not, and not, well, I mean, I factored in color. I factored in Dion. Um, no, I so, know you have to factor in the future, you know? Yeah, that's no, what I know. It. I know. Well, that's why we have, we're, we're having eight people doing this. And, and part of the reason is because so I we wanted, can cancel out your crappy votes. Yeah. Some, some crappy votes. <laughs> I think mine, except, except for I'm looking at my ranks right now. They're spot on except for Wisconsin. Um, but you've done it. Jesse, you've done a great job convincing us that the Badgers are going to win uh, multiple national titles. I already put a years. futures bet in for national championship this year. <laughs> while while, while recording this pod. Yeah. Ten, Tanner Mordecai for the win. I I, I actually um, cannot wait to watch uh, Graham Mertz play because I'm very <laughs> curious about whether that was a Graham Mertz problem or a Wisconsin problem. Or what, what, and if what, it, who's going to win the Jack Miller versus Graham Mertz battle, Ari, for quarterback? Graham battle. Mertz. Okay, he's my guy. I'm betting for him to win the Heisman this year. <laughs> okay. I'm at a I, I, I don't know. Like, do you think it's possible that it was a Wisconsin problem and not a, a Graham Mertz problem? Uh, it could be. It, it was a failure on everybody's part. I think that's that's a re- that's a reasonable way to put it. Like they brought him into an offense that he 
didn't run in high school, which that happens a lot, but I think he would have been much better in a, in a little bit different system, one that is more closely aligned with what Phil Longo runs. You know, they, they were under center, they were play action, and I think there were times where his decision-making was not what it needed to be. Um, he struggled like a lot of quarterbacks do when he was under pressure and he had to move his feet. And I also think he put too much pressure on himself. I mean, to be the guy that people wanted him to be, he worked hard, did all the right things, but the results didn't necessarily show up. And the offense just didn't do him any favors. I mentioned before how often there were stacked boxes. Like when the defense knows what's coming and you're in a position where it's predictable when you're going to throw the ball or what types of offense you're going to run, that's not ideal. He had three offensive coordinators and three quarterbacks coaches in the last three seasons. Like not how ideal. do you gain a level of consistency when that's going on? And I should mention that Paul Chris brought in an offensive coordinator this year in Bobby Ingram who had never called plays before. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be good at it, but like you're putting yourself in a unique position. I'll say that when that's what you have going on offensively. You know, the thing that I think about fickle too, Mitch, um, and you can tell me if you've gotten this impression too, Jesse, but like, I'm very fascinated and I've talked to Mitch about this in the past with like Trey Lance's recruitment, right? The fact that he was in big 10 country or at least big 10 West country and that no coach was able to identify his upside as a quarterback is like fascinating to me. And it's not that, you know, they should have predicted that he was going to be a first round pick or turn out to be an NFL starter. Um, but you're telling me that Minnesota couldn't find a spot on the roster for somebody that's like a lottery ticket or Wisconsin couldn't find a spot on the roster for a guy like that. And, and I wonder if fickle will be more of a gambler when it comes to certain scholarship spots too. Like if there is another raw athlete like that, that's big and strong and has a big arm who wants to play quarterback and has physical tools that you just don't see at programs in the big 10 West very often. Do you take a flyer on a guy and, and give him a shot to potentially like, cause could you imagine if Trey Lance played at Wisconsin? But I think and, it depends it on, I mean, very, very good points, Ari, but I think it also depends on what caliber you're recruiting at, what caliber player you're recruiting. Because if you think you've got more kids that you're more certain about, it's like Ohio State. They weren't going to give Kobe Bryant a second look because they didn't need to. Cincinnati had a spot yeah, for him to like, try and develop and where, you know, you don't want to take five Kobe Bryants a year and have, you know, obviously if one turns out to be as good, then it's worth the risk. But and you I don't know, know if you, it's a Wisconsin problem, but like there's, you could sit here for five hours and you could not convince me why Minnesota didn't take that kid. I just think that the landscape's also littered with schools like that taking kids that don't pan out too. It's it's easy to sit here and say. I think I would now. if I if I have four scholarship quarterbacks on my roster, like most coaches do. I think each one would have one lottery ticket in there because I think it's a waste to have four to begin with. I think it's a worthy use of a scholarship to try to go after somebody who's extremely athletic and raw um, at a place like that because if you hit on one, it could be the difference between you know, a great season and a bad one three years down the line. And like, if anybody is able to uncover that potential or to notice that potential, or at least buy into it based on his track record, I think Luke Fickle would fit into that, into that space. So it, it, it's hard for me to answer definitively what they're going to do because they've only been here for a couple months. And, and, and I think Phil Longo is obviously going to have the biggest say in what they do at quarterback. There's a certain type of quarterback that he likes. He wants, somebody with some mobility, someone who's taller. And he specifically talked about that at Wisconsin that has an offensive line where the tackles and even the guards are six, seven, six, eight. Um, but you know, I don't know. Hindsight's 2020 Trey Lance was a three-star prospect and the number 49 dual threat quarterback. And there are going to be other quarterbacks that guys have coaches have higher on their board. You can only get one guy in a cycle. So where are you going to devote your resources to? And you've got to be more sure of them earlier in their careers so you can get some of those top level quarterbacks some guys are late bloomers and and they don't really emerge until later on in the scene so it's really hard to answer that question but what i would say is i feel pretty confident at this point that wisconsin is going to go out and get the best quarterback that it can to fit this system um at a much higher clip than they've done i think consistently because of what we've seen out of the transfer portal it's it's been really remarkable to get three former four-star guys. And Wisconsin uh, has 19 quarterbacks on its current roster right now. So, uh, you know, you know, maybe they'll have uh, a spot. You know, for Trey yeah, they, they have a spot. I mean, the kid was six foot four and 200 and some pounds. And I don't know. I'm just glad Ari's not an athletic director. He would have fired PJ Fleck, like just after the draft, after uh, Trey Lance was drafted third overall. 
And just like, why didn't you sign this guy? Think about how many players those schools sign that don't ever. That but they didn't. Play. No one knew that. I mean, it's, it's so, a crapshoot, Ari. It's a crapshoot. I mean, you, you're looking they at the quarterbacks. Benefit like, of I don't want to throw the crapshoot dice on a player <laughs> who plays that position. Okay. By the way, Wisconsin down one quarterback from you know even when oh, the yes. season ended. Br- br- I, I edited a breaking <laughs> news story the other night from Jesse when uh, um, he had uh, a good source that that led on that um, I'm drawing, drawing a blank on his name. The, the six year Chase senior. Wolf. Yeah, Chase. Chase well, why don't, you, why don't you tell the story? Chase Wolf started in the bowl game because it is an right. interesting story what he was told by the staff. So tell the story. Well, this will tell you that Wisconsin has too many good quarterbacks yeah. on its roster, <laughs> which is uh, something I don't know that I could have put in a sentence for <laughs> a lot of other years. So Chase Wolf was a, a fifth-year senior this year. He was basically a career backup the last three years behind Graham Mertz. Graham transfers, ends up at Florida, so they need a starter for the bowl game, and they only had two scholarship quarterbacks going into the game. Chase starts. He helps the team win the game, and he announces after the game that he's actually going to come back for a sixth season because he's already talked to Phil Longo and Luke Fickle. Wolf is a Cincinnati native who earned a scholarship from Fickle when Fickle was with the Bearcats. So he liked that. And then at the time, this is according to the source that I spoke to, they told Chase that he would have an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Well, that makes sense. I mean, they told him they were going to get two or three transfer quarterbacks. But at the time, they had one transfer quarterback in the fold, Nick Evers from Oklahoma. Three days after the bowl game, they get Tanner Mordecai. Uh the automatic starter, as far as I'm concerned. And then 10 days, 11 days after that, they get Braden Locke, the kid from Mississippi State. So now all of a sudden you're looking at, okay, if Chase Wolf is in the mix, that's six scholarship quarterbacks. The math doesn't seem to make sense there. Um, and based on the source that I spoke to, uh, Wolf had a conversation with Phil Longo a couple days before he was supposed to enroll or come to campus with the team in January. And they told him that he wasn't going to have an opportunity to compete to be the starter because Tanner Mordecai is going to be the starter, which to me is no great surprise. The rest of the quarterbacks combined have barely played. Uh, so Chase decided not to come back is the point of this. So they are was now down to five scholarships. to come back, Jesse? Was that a, we want a scholar? Well, because there's nothing, it's only one semester. No, it's, I, I, well, they could, they, they could have used a scholarship on a transfer, on a transfer. I don't get the sense they ever said, like, we don't want you uh i mean they may have felt that because again you only have so many scholarships and this isn't a situation now where because you take a covid year you just get a free scholarship like you still count you count against the team now right um i think it was more i see i could see either side like the staff is being upfront and honest with him by saying tanner mordecai the dude was a was he two-time davy o'brien award semifinalist like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country He's going to be our guy, so we're letting you know where things stand. And and the other side would be that, well, Chase was told he'd have an opportunity to compete, and he's not going to get that, and he's been a career backup, so he doesn't want to do that. But either way, there's no more Chase Wolf on the roster. They've got they've got five scholarship quarterbacks, three of whom are from the transfer portal, and then two um, were already with the team. One's an incoming freshman, one's a redshirt freshman. So it'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds and how reps are divvied up in spring practice. But there's just so many storylines going on at Wisconsin right now. Ari, any more Badger questions before we move on to some other items? Uh, no, I think that was pretty thorough, and Jesse uh, is clearly knowledgeable and handsome, so thank you. <laughs> Thanks, is he guys. more knowledgeable or handsome? What comes first, handsome or knowledge? Know. I don't know. Tie? Okay. <laughs> um, They're both so, perfect. So, <laughs> some some notable 2024 commitments. <laughs> Ari, here's a guy that uh, I think could be you know worth a story. Uh, Jamari Colley, a wide receiver from South Oak Cliff in Dallas, number 167, overall commits to SMU. Maybe he thought Tanner Mordecai was still the quarterback at SMU. He didn't he didn't realize that he was a badger. But for SMU to get, and it's a long way before signing day, but for SMU to get that caliber of a kid, even if he's local, based on the fallout and then not getting the Big 12 invite, although there's rumblings about Pac-12 commissioners visiting SMU's campus today. But Ari, to me, that one kind of stood out this week. Yeah, that's a... Uh... You know, kind of like the same situation when it's uh, uh, the Preston Stone, you know, one a few yeah. years ago of like, well, how can SMU be attractive to somebody when they're not in a Power Five conference in, in the city of Dallas? And, you know, when I visited SMU when I first moved to Dallas a few years ago, it kind of became apparent quickly that they have a lot to offer. So, um, you know, not surprised by this. Um, but uh, at the same time, there's a lot of a time between now and the end of the, of the cycle. So good get. Now hold on to him. Yeah, and um, Colorado, four-star from Louisiana, Jawan Johnson, athlete, 
Um, again, long way to go. I'm sure LSU will still be in the mix there, but pretty good get for for Dion going out of state. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, going in, and he was an LSU lean the entire time. And a couple more. Walker White, you wrote about him in the 10 most uh, on your, your big board last week, quarterback from Little Rock. Walter one, White. Wal- did I say? No, it's Walker White. Walker. His it's name's not, not Wal- Walter White? It's not Walter White. It's Walker White. Different. Uh, he's from Little Rock, not from Albuquerque. Do his parents own a car wash? Um, they might. I don't know. I don't <laughs> All right, know. I can't make, keep making this joke. But, but the, I, int- I, the interesting part here was it looked, I know the for for. The day of his commitment, a lot of Clemson. There was a lot of Clemson chatter. Mm-hmm. The last minute, Auburn gets him. Hugh Freeze working his magic. He's a- somebody I want to get on the phone. Okay. Because uh, like that could be the first. He, he could be the fixture of the turn of the guards. Like Auburn was a complete and utter shit burger on the <laughs> on the recruiting trail for the past two years, and now they're going out and getting. Um, a top 150 player, a quarterback right off the jump that Clemson wanted. I think that's a pretty good start to the the Hugh Freeze era for sure. Yeah. So a few more commitments we're going to go over, and we got trivia. We're gonna we we told Justin to hang on. We got some. Yes. Uh, we got a trivia question. For he him. was eager to get out of here. But yeah. We I know. Bring so, him back. Yeah. Uh, Mazio, what do you have going on? I mean, like, can't wait Ari, ten more minutes. I'm a beat writer. I got yeah. stories to write. I'm not yeah, a national stuff- recruiting guy. We're gonna just pop in once a week and do mailbag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Mazio Bennett, a wide receiver from Greenville, South Carolina, who was committed to Tennessee last year for a while. Uh, number two seventeen overall is committed to South Carolina. Continues that great run that Shane Beamer and that staff is going there. They look like they have the potential to put together a monster twenty four class. Um, Good in-state get from Michigan, Jacob Oden, athlete from Harper Woods, Michigan, number 160 overall to the Wolverines. Um, well, South Carolina, I wanted to add, has five commitments in the 24 cycle, and all of them are top 300 players. Yes, so uh, great start, obviously, getting Nicholas Harbor to close out the um, 23 class. Great sign there, too. Elijah Bosa, if I'm pronouncing that right, Bosa, wide receiver from Mesquite, Texas, number 357 to Arizona State, the first 2024 commit for that new staff. And then I think this might have happened last week as we were recording. We talked about it briefly. Austin Mack, a quarterback from Folsom, California, to Washington. The interesting thing about him is he's 356 in the composite, but I think he's a top 100 player in 247, just has not been evaluated by all the services. He will be a guy that I think will be clearly a top 100 guy when this is all said and done. Um, All right, Jesse, you ready for a little trivia? Good updates, man. No, I'm proud of you. That was that, that was inspiring. Let's do it. You're inspired by that? Yeah, you're, you're, I, honestly, you're, I can't. You're easily inspirable then. So Yeah, no, okay. I thought it was incredible what you just did there as a host. <laughs> See what I have to do with Jesse? I have to deal with this every week. Um, how many of the top 10 Wisconsin recruits of the modern era can you name? Don't cheat. All right, I got my hands here, right? I'm not looking at okay. my phone. Okay. Keep your hands up. You don't. You don't need to go in order. All time, uh, two four seven. Getting yeah. back to two thousand. Usually we yeah. go two thousand two because that's when rivals started. But the two four seven database goes back to two thousand. So. Okay. Josh Oglesby was an offensive tackle from the state. No seven. Yes. Wow. Je- Ari, this is not only is he getting the name, he's getting the position in the year. This is. I think it's a lot easier when. You don't have four or a five million five-star prospects. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And they're probably an offensive tackle, but go ahead. Yeah. Logan Brown was a five-star prospect in 2019. Uh, he was the first five-star since Oglesby, so that's why it's easy to keep track of. Correct. Two for two. Um, Nolan Rucci was a five-star offensive lineman from Pennsylvania <laughs> in the 2021 class. Three for three. Um, now this is where it gets hard because I think there were one or two other five star guys that predate me. Um, uh, yeah, Hawthorne is that? Uh, and what is it? Um, was this Jeopardy? Name? Last names, last names are acceptable. That, that counts. Yeah, and Taj, and Taj Hawthorne. Yeah, what position? Not that you don't need to know, but ah, uh, boy, defense. I think defense. There's a lot line? of positions on defense. Yeah, defensive, defensive line. line, defensive tackle. Defensive what? Defensive line, two thousand one. Okay. Line. Uh, so that's four five star guys. Um, now this is where it gets tough. Um, there's one more five star, Mitch. There's one more five star. Ooh. Um, well, he predates definitely, you. Yes, yeah. he definitely predates me. Um, oh, uh, he's from Portage. 
I didn't write no? that down. I just, I, I don't Portage, know. Wisconsin. Could be. I just wrote down yeah. the name, the position in the year. He is from Portage, Wisconsin. What, okay. okay. So I know this because he's in the same class as Joe Thomas. They were the top two recruits in the state that year. Um, does he have a name? <laughs> I'm assuming he does have a name. <laughs> Justin, Justin, uh, oh, 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 Showski. What is it? Oh, oh, uh, Ari, can we give it to him? Yeah. Otrowski. 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 Right. Okay. I mean, we're going okay. 20 years back. I've, I've only been covering them since 2011. Yeah. So, well, you got to okay. know your program's history. You got to have yep. the institutional yeah. knowledge. Okay. It's you true. need five it's more. True. Now, this is where it's hard because, to Ari's point, uh, like the rest are four stars. So now I have to remember who was the highest of the high four stars. Uh, and I don't know that I have the. I don't know that I. It's educated I guesses here. will work. I, I'm okay. Go, I'll give I'm, you a hint. Only one of Grant, them. Only one of them. Sign when you cover the team in so. the last 11 years. Yes. Yeah. My God. <laughs> well, good um, luck. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're close on one of them. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Graham Mertz. Number 10. Yeah. All right. So for now he's in the top 10. Yeah. Um, and the other four is Brett Bell in there. Cornerback. Yes. 2001. 2001. Good call. All right. That's seven. I would take a C in any class, by the way. You've already done better than most people do. So if you want to give up, you can give up. Well, the but last three going. four-star guys, which are pre-2011, is really difficult for me because um, I wasn't around it every day. So I will... One was a really good running back. Yes. Oh, uh, let's see. Who's the highest rated running back they've gotten in that in that span? Yeah, but so Ron he's the highest he's the highest rated that. running back of the modern recruiting era. Oh, um is it uh is it Brian Calhoun? It is not. No, not Brian Calhoun. Kind of whispered a, that, like, is it? Yeah, because I'm not sure. Yeah. Um Oh man. All right, can we get a little background music? Can you say? No, I don't want to. I don't want to waste bum, precious bum, seconds bum, up for the viewers. Bum, bum, <laughs> bum, 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 I can't remember. Bum, 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 John Clay. John Clay. Okay, so number five, number Great. six was Travis Beckham, tight Travis end, two thousand and five. Yeah. John Clay, number seven, running back, two thousand and seven. <laughs> you mentioned Brett Bell, Darius Jones, a linebacker in two thousand, and then Graham yeah. Mertz, and then five more guys, eleven through fifteen. Nick Hayden, defensive lineman, two thousand four. Trey Wedig, is that how you pronounce the last name? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 offensive tackle Joe Brunner offensive tackle 22 Dan yeah. Volts yeah. um, offensive lineman t- 2012 if you would have gotten some of those 2000 guys I would have accused you of cheating yeah. Travis Beckham if I'm not mistaken was actually listed on the 24-7 composite as an outside linebacker uh, if I'm not mistaken or was he listed as a tight end uh, I just the, the list I had was a tight end all right well so I did the best I could guys no, he was an good. outside linebacker, Jesse. You're right about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, on the list on the bottom, I think it says tight end because it's his current position, but okay. on his profile, it's outside linebacker. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, one mailbag question because we got we got just another a few minutes. Um, Ari answered in his mailbag. I want Jesse's uh, Jesse's uh, answer for this too. Your coaching staff. This is from Robert D. Would you rather have three five stars and three three star recruits or six four star recruits? If you were if you were uh, if you had six spots available in your class, Jesse. Ari already answered this one? Yeah. It, it is written mailbag. You've clearly read it this morning, right? It was just published. The, first, the first thing, thing you did when you woke yeah, up. Yeah, first thing you did. <laughs> you don't take um, care of your kit. You just read the mailbag. At first, I feel like I want to guess what Ari said. Uh, okay. I want to say that Ari said the three five stars. Of course. Because stars matter and top end talent is the difference in college football. Is that is that your You general? could have answered that question a lot more succinctly than Ari did. No, I thought mine I gave No, your answer thought. was good. That's yeah. 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 Um Well I, the part of it is the Ari the, the difference in, in four stars. The caliber. Yeah, because you could get star. six players mm-hmm. that rank in between two fifty and four hundred and that not have an impact and, and not really be that much different than a three star that ranks five fifty one. So I yeah. took I took the top three top 30 players nationally because um, I thought that the impact that they would have on your team would be more uh, tangible. I think I tend to agree because to Ari's point, if I'm not mistaken, generally in a given recruiting cycle, there's about 32 five-star players, which mirror the number of first-round draft picks. So you're talking about guys that are the elite of the elite. And I mean, if you're a program like Wisconsin, we've seen how many three-star guys they get who three, four years later basically play like four or five-star guys, but they don't get many of the five-star guys as you're 
previous question illustrated, it's sort of ridiculous to consider the fact that in the 23, 24 years of the internet recruiting ranking era, they've had five five-star players. Uh, I think there were going to start to be more of them, but still, not very many. Well, there's a lot of programs, and this has been trivia questions on past pods, that, that have had far fewer than five stars. Um, as we, I mean, think about how many college football programs currently have less than – I mean, the team that played for the national championship game didn't have three five stars on their roster. Like, I mean, like most teams don't have a total of three. So Especially got, considering the fact nine of the 32 went to one school this year. <laughs> I've got one question for both you guys before we go. Um, since, Ari, you covered him, and Jesse, you – you're covering now for the past few months is Luke Fickle's makeup. Is he a guy that in two or three years with some success at Wisconsin, it's going to be like, people are going to be talking about him as an NFL coach or is he just a college coach? Ari? I feel I want Ari to go first. Because you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think that if the Ohio state job were to ever open, he'd walk back to Columbus um, to be the head coach there. Uh, and I think he kind of got a raw deal being the interim head coach there when the program was a disaster. Funny enough, thinking about all the things that are occurring in college football now, how ridiculous the shambles was, what caused them to be in shambles at that time. But like that was a tough position to put him in. Um, but I don't know if he has any desire to be an NFL head coach. Um, I'm not asking uh, desire to like just the makeup. I mean, which is a tough question because what's in? You I don't know, know. Like his best friend's Mike Vrabel, and he turned out to be pretty good. Yeah. So. Um, well, when Vrabel, as Joe Rexford wrote, when Vrabel goes to take the Ohio State job, then Fickle can come down here and be the Titans head coach. Titans head coach, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. The, the NFL jump is always fascinating to me because I personally, if I were an NFL GM, would not want to do that at all under any circumstances. You would not want to hire a college coach? Mm-mm. I think it's two different sports, two different personalities, and you know, some people can make the jump, but I think more often than not, it doesn't work out. Well, it's, it's easier. It's, just, to, it's different to coach a 17 or 18 year old kid than it is a 35 year old millionaire. Right. And that's why I thought, yeah. you know, James Franklin, all the James Franklin NFL talk was kind of crazy years ago that I just think he's a college coach. I just don't see him being an NFL coach, but certain NFL, like Ryan Day. Do you think, Ari, what do you, what, both you guys, you, you're around the Big Ten, Jesse. Like there's a lot of Ryan Day talk. His temperament seems to be that he could do both more so than some other coaches. Well, Ryan Day probably fits the offensive minded. Yeah young and he's been in the nfl too it seems like that he fits the mold of what the type of coach that the nfl finds attractive more than a group but like i thought that the vrabel to tennessee thing was weird and then he went out there and he's been awesome so you know i I don't know um from a just like a nuts and bolts what does the nfl want i think that ryan day illustrates more qualities um from that perspective than Luke Fickle would, but I don't know if Ryan Day would be a better NFL coach than Fickle would be. Those are hard questions to answer. I mean, Ohio State operates in a way that very few programs do, and in some sense is as close to an NFL program in college as there is, other than maybe a couple other schools, but the way you have to construct your roster is completely different. But in terms of mindset and tenacity and all those things, if if you're the best at what you do, I always feel like you generally want to take it as high as you can. So maybe with Fickle, I mean, uh, he just got here. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that. I think Badgers fans are more concerned about what would happen in a situation where the Ohio State job is open. But right now, he's got a program to build at Wisconsin and make the Badgers a a college football playoff contender. Is that a uh, Ari Wasserman middle school football jersey that's framed over your right shoulder there? Is that that what you have up on your uh, your wall, Jesse? Uh, Yeah, Ari sent it to me and signed it. um, (laughs) It's a New York Yankees jersey. I'm not a Yankees fan. Uh, it's actually a, an autographed Mike Mussina jersey that my wife got me. Mike Mussina's been my guy since oh, really? 1992 or 93 when I was, you know, six or seven or eight and opened a pack of cards and there he was. And I don't know what it was that sparked it. I think it was 92. He was in the midst of a really good second year in, in the majors. Oof. And uh, I, I got on the, the bandwagon early, which I'm happy to report because he became a Hall of Fame pitcher and I actually went out with my dad and my brother-in-law to Cooperstown to watch him get inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2019. So, oh, so he's your favorite story. athlete of all time? That's very yes. cool. Do you have a Mike Mucina rookie card? Uh-huh. Uh, up here, not too far away, I have a box of cards that have probably been in that box for 25, 30 years. I've got over 200 Mike Mucina cards. I used to go to all the card shows in Kansas City where I grew up, and I knew in my head which ones I had and which ones I didn't. Now, that was before they made 4 million cards a year. But... uh are you in the hobby now? Cards. 
No, haven't been for a long time. It was a, it was a childhood thing for me. It's a uh, money pit addiction that I have. I've got Ari's been in my bonus room. I'm pointing over here into our storage closet. I have about a hundred thousand baseball cards in boxes from when I from in the uh, '80s and basically until I went to college. I spent all my money on baseball cards in the '80s. Um, Look at this stuff right on my desk. I'm organizing them. Yeah. So, but at least your favorite player was pretty good, Jesse. My favorite. Vladimir Guerrero. It's autographed. Oh, man. You guys are going to make me do it. And graded. Uh Uh-oh. He's going to get it. Okay. All right. Let's see. Oh, wow. This came from my childhood bedroom from when I was a kid. Emmett Smith rookie card. I got some good ones. Right at the top is a gigantic Mike Mussina. But, uh... So do you have a preference on, like, Orioles, Yankees, Mussina, or just Mussina? Oh, I 100% prefer the Orioles Mussina because, uh... Well, it that's where it started with my childhood. True. I mean, okay. Then, Should I throw then, this in the trash? What is it? I can't see. What I can't. I, he, Zach Wilson. Yeah, Maybe. don't you know? I, I wouldn't. I'd yeah. sell if you could. Yeah, there's an entire stack of Mike Mussina cards. It's uh, there, there's far too many to count. Okay. Well, Ari, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. I have to go. Uh, to a workout, so I was trying to delay it as much as possible. But Jesse and I have a lot of the same interests. And if I would have found out that he was like into collecting and buying and selling sports cards the way that I am, uh, that would I don't think he is. I think he was. He was. That's why I yes. asked him, "Are you still yeah. in the hobby?" Look, I'm like, I'm like going through my random slabs box here. <laughs> you gonna take us home, Ari? Uh, thank you for joining the latest edition of Stars Matter. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk to you next week. I mean, what you can't say that? I mean, it's your bye. job. Bye. I do all the research. I do the intro. I get the guest. You I'm the 20, talent, Dennis. You have 20 <laughs> seconds to get us out smoothly. I do. And you do everything. So I do nothing. Jesse, thank you very, very much for joining us. It was good. Good to catch up and, and good to talk Wisconsin recruiting. We will have you on again in the near future. Thanks, guys. Take care.